Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to this week's episode of Unscripted, available only at Promo Corner. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie, and with me as always is my good friend, good pal, the mayor of Coshocton, Ohio, at least in his mind, (laughs) Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, how the hell are you? You know what? I'm doing fantastic, buddy. Uh, it's really good, as always. Every every week, this is one of the highlights of my week, get to talk to you. So I'm doing well, man. Well, if I could count on my hands how many people it's the highlight of their week to talk to me, I'd, I'd have a lot of extra fingers. But I'm glad <laughs> glad you're here. And, uh, you know, I do want to tip a cat uh, to our good friends at Common Skew. Yes, sir. Are, again, our sponsors this week. And I know, Kirby, you're a, you're a customer of Common Skew, and, and you've been a longtime customer. Of course you want to spend less time entering orders and more time selling, right? I mean, who doesn't want to do that? Absolutely. And do you also want to look amazing in front of your clients? I do. I do. And I'm sure it would be of some value to keep your team organized. It is. It is. How about improving your workflow? That's been a big improvement for sure. And my guess is the first thing you do in the morning is you'd like to see everything in a beautifully organized dashboard so you know everything that's going on in your business. Absolutely, my friend. Because you know more than anybody that slow and outdated systems cost you money. I mean, let's face it, Kirby. It is the 21st century. We have cable television now. <laughs> we can move. We can move the ball forward. So, for people like you who are looking to advance their promotional products distributorship business, they need to get on CommonSkew. It's cloud-based. So you can really work from anywhere. It's fast. It's easy to use. It's beautifully designed. And the best thing I love about it, Kirby, and I'm sure you do too, it's built specifically for our industry, and it helps you stay organized and sane. So if people want to give it a try, and we highly encourage them to do so, please go to commonskew.com backslash unscripted for a free trial. Absolutely. Good folks over there at Common Skew. Very good folks. Very good folks. So, Kirby, do you have some topics that uh, we should discuss today? I Yeah, I've got a couple of them I want to throw out at you. Um, let's start one with one that's um, industry-related. So, um, you've probably seen it. Um, my wife and I had this debate on He Said, She Said, um, a little piece of content that we try to take a different side of a bunch of different topics. And this week, we actually debated sort of the pros and cons of the Facebook uh, promotional products professionals page um, and um, she took the side that she really likes that the, that page and I sort of took the anti and uh, so I, I guess I wanted to start by just kind of seeing what you had to say about the topic and and see if you have any opinions on on this particular thing because I believe that you do I do have an opinion Kirby and I'm willing to share it here on unscripted available only at promo <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I like the idea of the page. I I think, you know, like a lot of things, the idea sometimes is better than the actual execution. And that's not to blame any one, one person. Hmm. When you open up a large, uh, something like this to anybody who can get involved, you know, the, the problem with social media is the same thing as great about social media. Everybody's got a voice. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you, 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 you get people on there, and I think there are some great topics on there that actually really help 
propel the conversations in our industry forward. But for every conversation that is talking about things that are of concern, whether it's uh, you know safety issues or whether it's uh, you know the, the tax, uh, the possible tax implications of of the uh, Trump administration or whatever is for every conversation like that, there's always, hey man, did you see that? Supplier XYZ is selling direct. I don't ever freaking want to use them. And if anybody <laughs> does, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. <laughs> and things like that just kind of send me into a, a, a slight uh, level of hypnosis. And so I just really don't – I don't get it. I just pass – I think like you, uh, I just pass over what uh, th- those type of topics. So I don't spend a lot of time there. I think there's some good there, just like any other group. There's good, there's bad. So I'm somewhat indifferent to it more than anything else. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I've been thinking about it, and I, I think that there are, you know, I, I end up uh, posting there. I think that there are, you know, I think probably like a lot of things, the vast majority of people who are members of that group are fantastic. Um, but it actually reminds me of the debate about the media. Whenever anybody bitches about, in today's world, the media being negative, um, I, I, I always chuckle because most of the things that are filling up my Facebook feed, most of the things that are filling up my Twitter, you know, those aren't the media. They're individuals. And I think that the challenge we have with that particular group are su- just a a – what is it? A loud minority of people right. who um, dominate the feed sometimes with their negativity. The rest of the group, I think, is fantastic. And I, I think one of my favorites is every single time I come across a post in there where it starts with "I need to vent." Man, I couldn't scroll faster <laughs> past that. Yeah, I agree. I get glaze eye when I see that, and I really don't pay a lot of attention. You know, like I said, the thing is. Everybody's got a voice, and I think as a society, what we're learning as we really learn how to how to not only use social media in the moment, but how to look at it from a historical perspective, I think it's incumbent upon us as the consumers of social media, and, and this speaks directly to the promotional products group on Facebook, to really be very selective in the voices we're listening to, and even more selective, how we allow those voices to influence us. Because mm. it's extraordinarily easy to be super inflammatory and throw something out there that might be 20% true or even just possibly 20% true <laughs> and uh, say it is fact, and then you're going to have a bunch of people dogpile on it. Right. No, I, I I was just curious to get your take on it. That was a It was a fun piece uh, that Amy and I did, and so I just kind of wanted your take. It is it is a fun piece and that's also only available at promocorner.com. <laughs> so thank you for thank you for that plug Kirby. Hey, I do what I can. So uh, you're a sports guy, I'm a sports guy. We we like sports. And one of the most iconic sport league <laughs> logos okay. is the NBA logo. Jerry West. Right? Jerry West. And I don't know if you've heard this. So if, for people who aren't familiar, it's a silhouette of a basketball player. Um, between a blue panel and a red panel, and the silhouette of the basketball player is white. And the basketball player in question is Jerry West, who was a great player in the uh, 50s and and 60s and went on to have great success as an executive for the Los Angeles Lakers. He has been quoted as saying he thinks it's embarrassing that a player from his era is still on the logo. Hmm. And so he has publicly said he'd like there to be a successor for him. And he's thrown out a couple names. He's thrown out Jordan. 
he's uh, thrown out LeBron, uh, LeBron James. But let me ask you this. So I'm not so concerned about who the successor should be. That's that's probably for sports talk radio to debate. Right. I'm asking you from the perspective of if they updated that logo, does it help the brand? Does it hurt the brand? Or is it completely neutral and doesn't freaking matter? I really like this. This is a good question. Um, so... I, I, I'm just going to give you a gut reaction based on, because again, I haven't had any time to think about this. My gut reaction is I love the concept. I love the idea of them updating the logo um, because I think that the league and, you know, pretty much everything has changed since the 1960s. Um, and I think, honestly, I think it would be an interesting sign at the times because the, you know, in my head, I start visually thinking about how that logo would change because the game has changed. And, um, certainly, um, you could Jordan, you know, high flying Jordan would be an appropriate, um, thing of what the NBA certainly represents today. Um, of course, then you run the risk of essentially being outdated in the next 10 years. But, um, no, I, I actually, my initial reaction is I think it would be cool. Kirby, you ignorant slut. Uh, I actually I disagree with you 100 okay. percent on this. Okay. I, I think there's something to be said for that classic, uh, that classic logo. And, and yes, I, I on the surface it's very easy to say, yeah, we should update it with a legend like Jordan or a legend or, or, or soon to be legend. I guess he's a legend now, LeBron James or who, whomever you think it should be. But who decides that? Mm-hmm. And who you know? I, I, how often do you update it? Then right. I'm not saying that logos shouldn't be updated. I'm, I'm I'm actually a fan of every organization looking at their logo every three to five years in their brand, not just their logo, but looking at the brand and seeing if it is still uh, communicating the things that are intended to the target audience. But there's something to be said when it's almost a uh, a public interest, like a sports league, which you could argue is a public interest. Does it need to be changed to reflect uh, anything? But I, I, so I disagree. I would keep it. I, I would keep it as Jerry West. I think there's something iconic about that logo that just screams National Basketball Association. And I am sure I'm in the minority. I have no doubt that I'm in the minority. And I generally like change. <laughs> yeah. But this one. I can't get on board just because I think it's fraught with too many, too many things. Unless you have serious uh, restrictions around it, every twenty years it's changed and it's thrown out to a, a group of fans. Maybe now, now that I could get on, I could get on board with that, perhaps. I, you know, fans is that's short for fanatics. So I'm not hundred percent certain I would be opening it up to the idea of just random people on the Facebook professionals page. Um, but uh, the yeah, I'm pretty sure I would open it up to <laughs> yeah, because they 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 name it uh, basketball McBasketball or something like that. Yeah, no. So I, I yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think that that your feeling is I could make the argument that you have romanticized that logo and that sport, you know, so because you said it's like a public thing that when you are so in love with it, you can fall in love with your brand too. And I think the idea yeah. that the game has changed, it doesn't bother me at all that they would look at updating that. Uh, I, I don't disagree on surface, but I think you'd have some have to have some pretty good uh, – 
controls around that. And I'm not saying throw it completely open up to uh, the fans to vote on sure. the logo, but they should be a component of it if they end up doing that. But I wanted to get your take on that because, yeah. I, like I said, I'm a big believer, and I think everybody in our industry and our clients should do this, is take a hard look at their brand and their logo every three to five years. And if it's outdated to you, I guarantee you it's outdated to your target audience. Yeah, no, I, I like it, man. That's uh, That was a good topic. I, that's fun. All right, so what do you got? Okay, so... <laughs> This is this was going to be a weird one, so I apologize. But I've I've got this this sort of thing that's been running around in my head, um, and I've like started to write it a couple different times, and it starts with the concept that those who do don't. So bear with me on this. So you know when teachers, when um, um, different organizations get the most frustrated by being criticized, it's usually by people who have not had experience within. Let's, let's use teachers as an example. They're frustrated because the people who are criticizing them are politicians. They're not people with, with classroom experience, right? Right. And so it occurs to me that, um, you know, when you read reviews of a book, let's just say, you've, I can never, ever remember. I'm not saying it's never happened, but I can never remember a scathing review of a book, something that's really uh, filled with vitriol, that was written by an author, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea is I think that, the once you have lived in that once you've written a book once you've taught people then you are much less likely to be mean-spirited in your critique of them and so i also think that's true of like content creation and so what i come up with is those who do don't and those who don't do tend to criticize and i I, this is a philosophy that's running around in my head and i just wanted your take on it so my take on it is generally people who are the loudest criticizers are the ones who critique um, and critique the harshest. And it drives me absolutely bananas. Um, it's real easy to point at something, complain about it, um, and, and rip it to shreds uh, because that's, that, like I said, that's just an easy thing to do. It drives me nuts because I've had, for example, I've had people uh, criticize content I've written uh, in the past. And you know what? I always take that. Uh, I like I like when people give me honest criticism. You've criticized things I've written and have been very candid. Hey, either I, I like this, and that's also a criticism. Uh, it's a positive criticism, but it's criticism nevertheless. Or I don't like this, or it's derivative. And because of you produce content, I absolutely put a lot of stock in that. That that makes me pay attention. I've also been criticized at times by people who I've never seen them produce content. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything that they've done, and and generally those are the ones that are are the most harsh, hmm. the most uh, almost personal in their attacks. Yeah, it, it's not it's not a hey what you wrote here is really derivative of something you wrote four months ago, or I think you've kind of said the same thing before. It's, you're an idiot, uh, you have no idea what you're talking about, you're bad for the industry, and all those types of things. So I, I, I don't think, you know, look, everybody's a living, breathing human being, and if they want to criticize something, that's fine. But understand, as, as if, if I'm doing something and you want to criticize me, I put far more weight if you, two things, if you, if you criticize 
the actual content and not me as the provider of the content right. or the author or whatever you want to say. And second of all, I put a lot more weight and stock in it if I know you're doing things yourself. So, for example, you know Ben Taylor, and this is the second week in a row he gets a mention on our podcast because right. <laughs> he, he started his own uh, a video blog, a vlog, and I hate that word, by the way, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Uh, called the rebuttal, um, and I, you know, and it's a really great thing. And I know he produces content, and if he has a criticism, I listen to it. Right. It, it, I pay attention. But you know, if if person X is just you know sitting on the promotional products professionals page, and they sell about twenty two thousand dollars a year, and they're consistently negative, and then they take me to task for content I provide. That's fine. That's certainly their right. It's also my right not to really pay much attention to it. Yeah, Ann Handley, and Ann Handley's a best-selling author, and I got a chance to talk to her. And one of her, she she used the 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 term the people who are in the arena, um, and that's how she kind of separates. I asked her, I asked her about haters and about critiques, and she said, I still struggle with that, but I find that I lend credibility to those who have been in the arena, and I really like that term. Yeah, I, I like that too. Look, it's it's one of those things. It, it, you know, I don't play the lottery very often. Very rarely, I'm one of those people that it gets up to like four hundred million dollars, and I'll go buy like three tickets or something like that. Mm-hmm. That lottery ticket gives me the right to think about possibly spending the money. That's mm-hmm. all it does. It gives me the possibility to dream by providing content and maybe being critical of other people who provide content because I provide content that gives me the, the ticket to do that if that makes sense yeah I don't I don't complain I'm not gonna make fun or complain of a starting pitcher on the Texas Rangers because he walks four people in a row you know why because I would walk everybody in a row <laughs> no I like it that's really good okay well that was just a that's a thought that's been running around it's funny I've been meaning to bring it up the last couple podcasts but yeah. uh but yeah, I appreciate your take on it. So I, I have to um, I have to bring up my good friend Dove Carney, who mm. uh, is formerly of American Apparel. Yep, and uh, he was uh, quite the uh, whipping boy of this podcast for most of the fall as American Apparel was going through their their difficulties. And now that they are no more, you know, Dove um, is has followed his American Apparel blueprint uh, by starting his own company called. Uh, uh, I think it's called Los Angeles Apparel. Yep, it is. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, inked a deal with TSC in our industry, uh, who's based in Cincinnati, and they're going to be, I think, exclusive with with uh, a Dove's new company. It's going to be basically American Apparel 2.0. Right. I mean, from the styles, from the model, everything. Do you think, as a distributor of promotional products, and you have a lot of clients out there, does this does this do anything for you? Does this do anything for your clients, or is this because I feel like it's been met with a collective yawn by the industry? I don't think people give two shits about this. I it, well, I think that there was so much negativity surrounding the end, at least, of American Apparel. Um, I'm sort of fascinated by it personally. Um, actually, there's a great podcast uh, startup where they actually followed Dove around. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really interesting uh, podcast stuff if you want to check that out. Um, and I, I learned a ton about Dove in that. Um, and I, the other 
to answer your question, I think my clients, probably it would be the collective yawn. I think that uh, historically speaking, my clients, you know, we're in Appalachian, Ohio. Um, no disrespect. I just, we're not, you know, I'm not sure that my clients were buying American apparel when it was big. So for us, I think in maybe more uh, metropolitan areas, it might be a bigger deal. Um, but so far, it's it's not met any interest on my end. Yeah, and I don't know if it will be met anywhere, even in, in the metropolitan areas like Los Angeles or Chicago, New York, or Dallas, wherever, because you know Gildan owns the American Apparel brand, and they own all the styles and, and the, the cuts and things like that. So a lot of the stuff that I think uh, Los Angeles Apparel is going to be putting out there is already already out there. Right. And so I, I, it'll be very interesting to see because I don't see enough differentiation between what American Apparel was and what uh, what Los Angeles Apparel seems to be. Mm. It doesn't seem to be much different to right. me. And so I, I think you have a hard time replicating success when you essentially use the same exact blueprint <laughs> uh, again. Yeah, well, especially when, in theory, that brand is still in existence. Uh, in theory. Yeah, theory. in theory. <laughs> we, exactly. we got time for one quick one. Uh, do you have one? Or if you don't, I've got a quick one. Um, I have one thing I'm going to say, and then yep. we'll throw yours out. Uh, so okay. one of the things I've noticed, you and I are both taking on sort of new challenges within our life. And I've caught both of us doing this. Um, and you and I haven't talked about this. Uh-oh. But both of us have started to fall prey to the B word. You and Busy. I. That's exactly. We've said Busy. We have. We have 100% both of us in conversation uh, fallen into the trap of saying how busy we are. So I want to challenge us really quickly over the next week to cut that word out of our vocabulary and see how hard it is. It's in Incredibly difficult, yeah. <laughs> um, but as you know, I know you are a, protect, a practitioner of, of this as well as I am, and, and I say it in my sessions, and I know you say a variation of this in your education sessions, that busy is is nothing more than a BS excuse, Yep. right? We are all busy. I don't know one person who's not busy with kids and sports and work and family and all sorts of other things, so excellent point, Kirby. Excellent, excellent point. All right, and you said you have one more? All right, so... I, just a fun one. Just okay. a fun one. Just thinking about this. As a youth, and you were a youth once. <laughs> it was a long time ago, but yeah. <laughs> I would like to know what your favorite board game was and your least favorite board game and why. And so uh, while you're thinking of your answer, I'll go ahead and tell you mine. So I loved, for whatever reason as a kid, it wasn't a Hungry Hungry Hippos. It wasn't Monopoly, although I did like Monopoly. My favorite was Yahtzee, okay. which might have been might have been a, a nice predictor for my love of craps now, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I, I loved Yahtzee. I just loved that uh, the roll of the dice. I loved the game of chance. Okay. My least my least favorite game was Operation the Wacky Doctors game. <laughs> So funny. That made me so tense every time as a kid as I'd take those little metal tweezers and I'd get like shake hand and I'd try to get the little funny bone out and it'd zap and it'd scare the absolute crap out of me every single time. I still have nightmares about that red nose going off because I didn't succeed in the operation. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so, um, well, I'll start with my least favorite because it was Operation. <laughs> so that's really funny. That is funny yeah, shit. Yeah. That is, seriously? Yeah, it was that's out- 100%. It was the first <laughs> thing that popped into my head because uh, I did not like that. And I, especially when I was younger, had a fairly serious temper. So I broke an Operation game because after a while, I just did not in- appreciate that 
little clown bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably unsurprising is my favorite. My favorite uh, game growing up was Monopoly. I, yeah. it, it, the idea of, it, it's just not really surprising, right? That I am sort of a fan and a, my hobby is business now. Um, yeah. The idea of getting the hotels and having people pay to stay, I dug that. So that was Mon- my favorite. Got it. Monopoly was a close second for me. And you know, honorable mention, has to go to electric football. <laughs> loved <laughs> loved electric football as a kid. You'd set them all up and turn a little the vibrating field on and you, you know, your running back would do circles and kind of cheese you off. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one. That's cool. Awesome. Man. Well, we're about at the end of our time, Kirby, and I want to again urge everyone on this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast, it means you're in the 21st century. You understand technology and there is no better technology platform. There's no better platform, period, for you to run your promotional products business than common skew it's cloud-based so you can work anywhere it's fast it's easy and gosh darn it it's really a beautiful interface so it's built specifically for our industry try it out for free go to commonskew.com backslash unscripted give it a try you'll be happy you did yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning. I think you and I joke around a lot on this podcast, but one of the things we didn't joke around is I am a user of Common Skew, and I really am a big believer. So if uh, anybody has any questions about the platform, certainly they can ask me or they can check it out at the website you just mentioned. Absolutely, and I'll make sure uh, Bobby, Catherine, and Mark get your commission check in the mail. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you later, Kirby. All right, see ya. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday only at promocorner.com, the leading digital marketing service for the promotional products industry.